Welcome in to the BetUS College Football Show. It is week four from a reawakening in Seattle to a miracle in Boone last week. All of this is what makes college football great. We're excited to be back talking another week of college football, analysts, uh, picks, predictions, whatever you want to call it. We like breaking down these games. We really enjoy it. I am your host, Gary Seegers. I am at GaryWCE on Twitter. And we've got a lot to talk about. There's already been a lot of line movement already this week from the lines that opened up on Sunday. Let's go ahead and introduce the experts. We're going to start on the left side of your screen. He is our analyst. He is our numbers guy. I call him the numerical guru. He is Parker Fleming at Stats of War on Twitter. Parker, how are you feeling about last week? And how do you feel about this week? Gary, doing all right. I know we'll review the records. I, I split. I shouldn't have bet on SMU and Miami, but you know what? We're trusting the process. We're going to move forward. I've got some better picks this week, and the bounces will go in our favor for sure. Most certainly. On the right side of your screen, he is our award-winning professional handicapper. He has been on an absolute tear lately. Kyle Hunter, at Kyle Hunter Picks. Sir, I, you have been just rolling in everything, it seems like. How are you feeling right now? Uh, yeah, you got to enjoy it while it's here, right, Gary? I mean, there's ups and downs for sure, and and I know those downs are coming, but we just try to get the long results. But it's been fun, and, and Gary has been on fire with his plays. He, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. We'll try to do the best we can to keep it going for as long as we can. You've certainly got that right. you got to stay ahead of the numbers. You know that the regression is going to come eventually, but uh, let's go ahead and do that. Let's go ahead and hit the recap for last week before I tell you all the different ways you can support the channel. Uh, last week, I mean, good gracious, I went 5-0, and Parker 2-2, two and two, Kyle 3-1. and one. Uh, I mean, guys, that is just absolute fire on the season. 36-14, 72%. So far on the season, I am 15-4, and four. Kyle is 9-4, and four, uh, and Parker is 12-6. and six. I mean, we are absolutely rolling thus far. 72% against the number is just crazy, just crazy. All right. Let me go ahead and remind you all, make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. That is the biggest thing that you can do to help out the show. Of course, uh, we are rocking and rolling over here. You hit that little notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. But I will go ahead and tell you exactly when we're going live, and that is every Tuesday and every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So make sure that you are right back here every single week. Go ahead and jump into the chat. I see Steven. I see Arbone. I see James. I see Mark. I see all kinds of guys in there. Get your questions in for the Q&A at the end of the show. Anything that we don't hit, any opinions you want, any any plays that you think that we should make, just toss them in there, and we will get as many of those as we possibly can. If we don't answer your question, obviously you can reach out to us on Twitter. That's why I gave out the handles. They are in the description as well. Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast as well. That is the BetUS Football Show. It's the NFL feed and this show as well, in case you're not able to catch it live. And while we're here, let's go ahead and do this early. We're trying to get to 100 likes every single time out while we are live. Make sure that you go ahead and hit that like button for us, the little thumbs up. It looks like this. Go ahead and hit that before we get started. Gentlemen, we got a lot of games to hit on, so let's go ahead and dive into the first one. We go to Thursday night, West Virginia. The Mountaineers headed to Blacksburg to take on Virginia Tech. So far, the Mountaineers, a two-and-a-half-point road favorite, latest line at BetUS. The total sits at 52 on this. And, Kyle, I'm going to start with you. West Virginia rolled uh, their FCS opponent in Week 3. They're visiting their second ACC team this season on a short week now. Uh, JT Daniels has looked good thus far. Uh, what do you see 
going on with West Virginia and Virginia Tech here? Yeah, I mean, I think this is an interesting game where uh, West Virginia has the new offensive coordinator. They have a little bit of a new look there, obviously faster pace. Uh, their defense has been pretty weak. Um, 98th in total QBR allowed, 110th in PFF's coverage grade. Their secondary has been a pretty big weakness so far this year. The question is, can Virginia Tech take advantage of that weakness? I'm not really convinced they can. Wells has been inconsistent. He was good against Wofford, but that doesn't really tell us very much. Uh, struggled against both Boston College and Old Dominion. I think uh, Virginia Tech is, is pretty one-dimensional as well because their run game is so weak. Uh, you know, 119th in rushing play success rate on offense. And then how good is the Virginia Tech defense? That's also another question to me. We Three games into the season, I don't think we know the answer yet because uh, I think we find out in this game, right? Uh, defensively, Old Dominion, Boston College, Wofford. I mean, none of those are good offenses. So uh, we don't we don't know yet. Um, this West Virginia offense is much better than any of those. And West Virginia's offensive line, I'm going to give a shout out there. Parker did mention that they were improving at the end of last year. And then this year, they've played very well. Their offensive line looks good. They're 13th best in Havoc allowed. The running game has been working well. Uh, Harrell was a great hire for this offense. Uh, I have a slight lean here to West Virginia. Uh, obviously, this is a tough place to play, but when you're under the three, uh, my lean would be to West Virginia here. At most certainly. Lane Stadium, always a difficult place to play, especially on a weeknight. Uh, you've got inner Sandman coming in. It's going to be nuts. Virginia Tech, Brent Pry, you know, moving over to you, Parker. They've rebounded nicely after that week one loss to Old Dominion. Really, uh, possibly without the turnovers, they should have won that ball game. Uh, but Wells had four interceptions in game one. He's had zero the last two weeks. Uh, they're only averaging 3.3 yards per rush right now. It's still an issue for them. What do you see in this game? So I think that uh, the way my numbers see this do slightly favor Virginia Tech, but I'm going to make some arguments from context as to why I don't believe them. Early season, you've got a lot of um, kind of variation here. And I think the, the thing that Kyle brought up is the biggest issue for me. Uh, Virginia Tech, um, really, really poor against the rush, really, really poor on third and fourth downs. I have them at 99th in late down success against two very weak opponents. Um, that's really the, the areas where West Virginia has struggled have been on defense, have been the passing defense and on third and fourth down success. Virginia Tech is not very good at either of those. And so I don't know that their offense matches up well enough to be able to exploit this West Virginia defense. Um, another thing to look at is when you look at West Virginia's defensive efficiency, you have to encounter or excuse me, incorporate the um, reality of Jalen Daniels as a mobile, true dual threat quarterback. And Grant Wells just doesn't have that. I mean, I've said it once and I'll say it again. Grant Wells is no Jalen Daniels. So I think that that kind of one dimensionality out of Virginia Tech's offense, coupled with uh, not really having a spark on defense, won't stretch that West Virginia defense as thin as it's been stretched in some of those earlier games. Slovis and Daniels, I don't know if there's an FBS team that's played a tougher slate of um Quarterbacks. Now, of course, Kent State had, you know, a really rough out of schedule, but maybe a power five. No, no power five team has played the slate of quarterbacks that West Virginia has. Um, and so with some some decreased uh, quarterback play at Virginia Tech, I think that West Virginia defense should make a step forward. You have to wonder that if West Virginia didn't get that Townsend game in week one, uh, where they could have gotten things rolling, gotten some confidence, worked out some kinks, they wouldn't have done a little better than two one score losses versus their power five non-con op uh, opponents. And so I, I think that West Virginia, just a little bit of sequencing got them really poorly there. I think they're rushing the ball a little bit better than we expected. And I think um, 
Uh, JT Daniels has been fine at quarterback, even with some of the issues against Pitt. They're still 46th in EPA per pass. They're uh, 30th in rush rate over expected. So moving the ball early and often. On the flip side, Virginia Tech, 99th in rush rate over expected. They're really slow. I think I think that this leads towards West Virginia coming into Blacksburg, getting the win, getting the cover because of Virginia Tech's step back at quarterback play. That does certainly make sense. I mean, the question, obviously, can Virginia Tech generate points? Uh, we shall see on Thursday night. Now, I'm going to stay away from it, but let's make it official for Parker. He is riding West Virginia to cover the two and a half in Lane Stadium. Uh, Inner Sandman on a Thursday night. It doesn't get much better than that. Can't wait to see exactly what happens. We'll move along to game number two here. And this one is on Friday evening, September 23rd. It's a 9 p.m. Eastern time kick. Boise State, the Broncos headed to El Paso to take on the UTEP Miners. Boise State currently a 15-and-a-half-point road favorite. Latest line at BetUS. The total sits at 45-and-a-half on this one. Now, it's in, uh, of course, the Sun Bowl. Boise won this one last year, 54-13. to 13. Uh, Looking at some of the trends here, Boise, 5-2-1 against the spread on the road in their last eight. They are 2-10 against the spread, however, after a straight-up win. UTEP, uh, things not looking much better here. 6-15-1 against the spread uh, against winning teams, and they are 2-5 and five against the spread against Mountain West competition. It, the trends certainly don't point the way of UTEP in this spot. Uh, Boise, you know, Bachmeyer seems to be regaining confidence. The running back, Halani, uh, finally got going last week, 24 carries for 110 yards. UTEP coming off of a 27-10 beatdown by New Mexico. Uh, that's <laughs> we, we saw Boise handle this same New Mexico team uh, not that long ago. So far, UTEP is 0-4 against the spread on the season. Hardison, who we thought was going to be you know, the guy that would really spark this offense, 49% completions, two touchdowns, three interceptions on the season. Uh, the Boise State offense isn't quite there yet, but the defense is playing well. Parker, I want to start with you on this. Uh, Boise State, number seven, defensive success rate allowed. And UTEP, of course, has just completely fallen off uh, offensively, defensively, everything with all the guys that they lost last season. Is there any real hope for UTEP to maybe make something out of this at home on a weeknight? Yeah, so the question here is how does UTEP score points, right? Because the way that UTEP scored points last year and in the North Texas game at the beginning of the season was Gavin Hardison chucks it up and dudes go get it. North Texas did show us a recipe in the second half where if you just stop pressuring Hardison, if you move back and you're able to double a deep threat, they really can't generate a lot of offense outside of that. I have them 123rd in offensive EPA per play, 109th in success rate. So really big step back. Specifically, Boise's defense has played a lot better than its offense. They're 18th in early downs EPA, whereas UTEP's offense is 121st. So UTEP is going to be finding themselves in these long third down situations all night. And um, I really don't like, with the caliber of wide receiver UTEP has, I don't like Hardison to be able to make those plays. I think he's a fine quarterback. I, I flirted with calling him a gunslinger. I think he's earned it. But the the talent they have at wide receiver is just nowhere what they had last year with Jacob Cowing as some of those secondary guys become main focal points of the offense. There's a, a huge kind of fall off there. On the flip side, the big, the big deal for me with Boise's offense is they're 102nd in uh, echo rate and quality possession rate, 75th in points per quality possession. They're 101st in offensive points per drive. So that is really reflected in that Oregon State game. They had uh, five turnovers in that game. They've only had two two cents. UTEP is minus on the season, 1.3 a game in, in turnovers as well. So I expect some positive regression from, from Boise after just a very fluky start to that game. Um, uh, Gavin Hardison for UTEP uh, his, was 5 of 10 on balls 20 plus 
yards downfield against North Texas. So 50% against North Texas on balls 20-plus downfield. He is just 4 of 31 cents, and they have 13 drops. So um, things are not going great in UTEP. I think that Boise gets some positive uh, regression here with um, – uh, with the turnover luck, and I think their offense will take a step forward. Um, I know we're going to kick it over to Kyle, so I'm going to ask Kyle. Kyle, Boise to El Paso. Tell me what you're doing with the road game here. Is that advantage, that huge travel time being way the heck out there, is that going into your numbers at all? Yeah, I mean, I think UTEP has a pretty decent home field advantage based on where they're at. There's some elevation there, but Boise is kind of used to playing in those kind of situations compared to you know some random team from a different conference. I, you know, To me, the issue in this game is – is uh, the question is, do you want to lay the points based on Boise's offense being so weak so far this year? Um, you know, Bachmeyer, really, if you look at his PFF grade, he's uh, below 200th. And I know there's a lot of backup quarterbacks that would have gotten stats on there, but he's had a really bad season thus far. They're 127th in passing offense at PFF out of 131. And Boise State, I do think they're improving running, running the football, and that's probably their path to success long term. Uh, you know, interestingly to me, Boise has dropped their pace back quite a bit. They're 113th in tempo. Uh, they were a pretty quick team the last couple of years. So I don't know if that's by design that they want to play lower scoring games or not. Uh, maybe they're trying to uh, put less pressure on Bachmeyer. The, the thing that really is, is massive in this game, though, and Parker talked about it, is UTEP's offense. What a massive drop off. We did talk about this in the preseason, and I remember this for I believe it was a week zero game, like uh, UTEP against North Texas, UTEP's offense without Cowing and Garrett looks so much different. And I remember one of the plays in that game where UTEP threw it deep and they dropped one that was a sure touchdown. And it, actually, if you look at UTEP's offense, they had 7.1% drops from the wide receivers last year. This year, 14.3%. You double your drop percentage. That, that is going to hurt really bad. So Hardison, I still think, is pretty good, but his numbers are definitely hurt a lot by the wide receivers not being Cowing and Garrett this year. I don't think UTEP gets much through the air here in this game. Boise State's 10th in coverage grade. Um, and UTEP's run game, 2.63 yards per carry. I think long-term, UTEP would probably want to be a team that runs, has a good offensive line with their coach. Uh, you know, but Boise, a good defensive line. I don't see a path to success for the UTEP offense. So in this one, the question for me is how many points do you think Boise's going to score? So I lean Boise State on the side. I'm going to take the under here. Uh, this has moved down a little bit, but it's still above the key number of 45. I'm going to take the under uh, thinking that Boise wins uh, handily, but uh, UTEP just doesn't get much at all here. Yeah, you, you're right. That line did jump from 46 and a half down to 45 and a half, but Correct. It is still above that key number of 45. So let's go ahead and make it official. I'm going to stay away from it uh, because I don't want to stay up that late on a Friday night. So, <laughs> but uh, but Parker is going to take Boise State to cover, and Kyle is going to roll with the under 45 and a half. I, uh, I like it. Boise minus 15 and a half there. Not too shabby, especially when I don't expect UTEP to score, really. So we'll move along. We've got uh, one in the ACC here, and this is... I mean, just an interesting, interesting spot. Clemson, a seven-point favorite, juiced at minus 120. I mean, good gracious. At Wake Forest, uh, that is, I mean, just a crazy, crazy spot here. Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Truist Field. Clemson won this game 48-27 to last year, even with as awful as their offense was last season. It's a 12 p.m. Eastern time game. Of course, those lines, the latest over at BetUS. Uh, 
Parker, I'm going to start with you on this one. This Clemson offense obviously is not fixed yet. Uh, the mistakes have dwindled for DJ Uyangalele. At number 17 in PPA per rush right now, the defense is as stout as ever. The number 14 in PPA per drive on defense. Uh, how do you see this ball game between the Demon Deacons and the Tigers? Well, I think I'm staying away from it because my numbers have Wake Forest covering and I just don't trust them specifically against Clemson. I think there are some games in college football where there's a little bit of a little bit of mojo going. And uh, I think that um, Clemson has historically done really well against Wake Forest and this Dave Clawson offense. Last year, A.T. Perry only had five target or five receptions, no targets or sorry. Five receptions, no touchdowns uh, against Clemson last year. And so I think I think if anyone in the nation's suited to kind of take the top off this slow mesh offense, it's Clemson's defense. Um, you know, last year as well, Wake Forest was over 50 percent on third downs uh, and, and still lost like that. That to me is uh, kind of unsustainable this year. Uh, they're at, they're at 40, uh, excuse me, they're at 37.5. So they struggled on third downs relatively last year against Clemson. They were positive on third downs and still couldn't, you know, even that even that kind of variance didn't help them very much. Uh, I think Clemson's run game is is obviously a lot better than their pass game. 23rd in EPA per rush. I think they can move the ball on the ground. Last year, they had 200-yard rushers against Wake. And uh, the, the talent differential here is what really gets me, is that I just think Clemson, especially in the trenches, is a lot more talented than Wake Forest. And Wake Forest's offense is nothing familiar to a Clemson defense that's, that's or nothing unfamiliar to a Clemson defense that's dealt with in the last couple of years. So um, the numbers say Wake. I'm going to stay away. I would slightly lean towards Clemson just because because, um, man, they're, you know, they, they, they can move the ball well and they have town advantage uh, on, on the ground. But I'm going to stay away completely. I know it does make sense. I mean, we have seen this movie before. Uh, Kyle, you know, looking at these trends, Wake Forest 3-0 and against the spread in their last three as a home dog, which does not happen all that often. They are 4-0 and against the spread after a spread loss. Uh, but when you look at it, Clemson 10-0 and straight up their last 10 against Wake Forest. And none of them has been by less than 14 points here. Uh, the total open to 57 drops down to 56 here. Uh, what are you seeing in this one? Yeah, I think the total movement is kind of interesting, right? Because it was 48-27 last year. Clemson's offense last year couldn't move the ball against anybody except Wake Forest, really. So um, I would expect Clemson can score points here. Wake Forest probably can, too. I, I certainly lean to the over in this game. Um, you know, my number was Clemson by six and a half here. Um, so I'm kind of like Parker in that I'm just a little bit under the number, but I don't really trust Wake Forest that much. Um, Clawson's a good coach, and I, and I like to back Clawson for sure. He's 46 and 36 against the spread as an underdog. Um, actually, most of those, uh, he's done really well against the spread on the road as an underdog, and at home he's 50-50, so that's kind of interesting. But to me, the handicap here is can Wake Forest stop the Clemson running game? Uh, they weren't able to do it last year. Um, I don't think they probably can do it very well here. Uh, Wake Forest tackling grade is really low this year. So uh, that's a problem against a Clemson offensive line that's improved, and they have some pretty good running backs at this point. Uh, I don't know that Clemson really has to throw the football a lot here to have success. On the other side, Hartman, uh, this Wake Forest offense running pretty well. They, they are off a kind of misleading win. I did want to point out that that Liberty game was an interesting one because Liberty should have won. Um, they came back to win, but they were plus two in turnover margin. Uh, Liberty stuffed the Wake Forest run. They couldn't run at all against Liberty. So do we really think Wake Forest is going to be able to run on Clemson? Probably not. So the question is, are they going to be able to throw here? Um, I don't see them having success running. So seven's not enough for me to back Wake Forest. 
Uh, minus 120 on the seven. I don't love laying that with uh, Clemson. So my strongest lean here would be the over in this game. I am going to ride with Clemson on this. Their defense has faced a pass rate of 62%. Now, that, of course, is bound to happen whenever you have big leads in ball games. Teams have to throw to be able to get back into it. But they're number 35 PPA per pass defense. Uh, you slow down the Wake Forest offense by crashing those tackles. Uh, your edge rusher should be able to get in. They do this every single year. They know what this offense is, and they dominate it year after year after year. Uh, you're going to see a heavy dose of Shipley and DJU on the ground. Like I said, number 17 PPA per rush against the number 74 defense PPA per rush. Uh, this looks to me like a Clemson blowout. I expect a double digits win even on the road. So I will certainly take Clemson, especially a team that is coached by Dabo Sweeney that has something to fight for with the uh, the tragedy that's going on with the Brzee family. So I would expect Clemson to come out fired up in this game, ready to roll. Uh, they will they will be ready for this one and then head on to NC State. So I am taking Clemson to cover the seven, even at the minus 120. I still think it is good value on that one. Now, reminder, the podcast. Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. If you cannot get here for the live show, that is the best way to listen to the audio of the show. So go ahead and make sure you are over there. And we are rolling right along with the likes. Go ahead and hit the like button for us, if you would so kindly. I see a lot of new people have joined. We try and hit 100 likes every single time that we are live. So go ahead and get that thing up to uh, 100 for us, and then we'll, we'll set new goals as we go along. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel, of course, and hit that notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. And I'll just tell you right now, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, 1 p.m. Eastern time, we will be right here, ready to rock and roll. Uh, we do have, of course, the chat. I see a lot of people in the chat. Trent, Greatest Legend, JT, Raphael, Steve, Peter, etc. Tossing your questions. We're going to do a Q&A at the end of the show. So anything that we do not hit here of, or that we won't hit tomorrow as well, toss it in there and we will do our best to answer everything that we can. We try and do a little bit of a rapid-fire format. Now, we have an exciting game here. A non-conference tilt. They call it the Basket Bowl. <laughs> we'll see exactly what that means. 12 p.m. Eastern time, Duke heads to Lawrence, Kansas to take on the Jayhawks. And Kansas, a 7.5-point favorite right now. Latest line at BetUS. The total sits at 66 points inside Memorial Stadium. Good gracious, that, you talk a lot of points. Uh, Duke won this game last year, 52-33. to 33. Now, obviously, that was early in the Lance Leipold uh, era here. Duke 4-0 against the spread, against the Big 12. They are 1-8 against the spread on the road. Uh, that's not good. Kansas 6-0 against the spread in their last six games overall, but they are 3-10 against the spread in their last 13 at home. Kyle, we're going to start off with you on this. Uh, Kansas has already hit the over 2.5 win total, so that's good for the people that did take them, put a little a little pizza money on the Jayhawks here. 148-30 uh, to 30 last week at Houston. A lot of love for the Kansas Right now, this line was at nine, jumps down to, uh, excuse me, seven and a half. How you feeling about the Jayhawks and the Blue Devils? Gary, first, real quick, I wanted to say I was seeing what Richard said in the chat. Y'all helped me win 21,000. Man, that's amazing. Uh, always bad. happy to help out, and it's been a great start to the season, so I uh, love seeing that for sure. Thanks for following along. But uh, I think in this one, Gary uh, and Parker, I think I might actually disagree with you guys. Usually we agree a lot more than we disagree, <laughs> but I think it's kind of nice to have a disagreement. So based on the way you guys were talking, I think we might disagree. Kansas spotted Houston 14 points last week and then just blew them out. 
Um, that was a really good call, Gary. So definitely a good call on that game. Jalen Daniels, this guy's good. I, I think he's a good quarterback. Uh, how about this improvement? Two years ago, he had a PFF grade of 38.7. It's about as bad as you can possibly get. So far this year, 83.1. Tremendous stuff. I think it also speaks to the improvement of the offensive line for Kansas. They've played much better. I think they probably have a top 30, top 40 offensive line in the country. Zero sacks allowed so far this year. Now, Duke has looked really good. But my question is, their strength of schedule, 170th. And uh, whether their wins are really as impressive as they look. I mean, South uh, Southern Illinois just beat Northwestern as well. Um, Temple's awful. We know that for sure. Kansas has the much better wins at West Virginia and Houston. With the line coming down, I, I kind of think I like Kansas in this one. I don't know if we'll get a seven, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure that Duke's as good as they look like they are, and I'm pretty confident that Kansas is much improved. So I'm not going to bet it, but I think we, we might disagree a little bit on that one. The, the total, though, I want to talk about a little bit. These teams play at the 93rd and 120th tempo, and we have a total of 66, guys. I mean, it's 66 and a half at some of the places now, so I, it looks like it's going up. This is a really high total for that kind of pace. These teams have to be super efficient to get to that. Do you think they will be? I mean, Elko's a good defensive mind. I don't know if Kansas' defense is terrible. Is it possible? Certainly, of course, it's possible. Uh, I wouldn't want to bet an over here. I would lean to an under fairly strongly in this one. So I kind of like Kansas and the under based on the tempo here. Yeah, it's 64 and a half was the total at opening, and it's jumped up to 66. Like you said, there's some 66 and a half. It, it is strange looking at the pace because you are expecting a really efficient offensive game from Kansas against uh, Mike Elko in a defense that is known to travel. I mean, they have done fantastic things with his defense. Uh, Parker, Duke quarterback Riley Leonard here is electric in his own right. We've talked a lot about Jalen Daniels here lately. Uh, 6.68 yards per rush for him, two touchdowns to go along with 73% completion percentage. Uh, with 723 yards, five TDs, he does have the two interceptions, of course. Uh, but Duke, I mean, their offense, number 33, PPA per drive, uh, Kansas. Their defense is just atrocious when it comes to all of the advanced statistics. Uh, I'm curious how you feel about this one. Yeah, well, uh, Duke and Duke and Leonard have been able to keep uh, uh, keep that pocket clean and, and are doing well. 74.6% completion when he's clean uh, or unpressured on a drop back. And so... That at the very least is proof of concept for what Duke wants to do. You know, obviously pressure is a big wrinkle, and and Kansas hasn't been exactly getting um, getting pressure. I think that West Virginia's offense is better than Duke's offense, but I think that Duke is is by by and far the better defense, the best defense that um, Kansas has faced this year. You know. Houston lost um, a couple guys to the NFL last year, two cornerbacks and a defensive end. And looks like that really took a bigger hit than we thought was going to take on the consistency of that defense. And so Kansas against them moved the ball really well. But again, they have some issues. They've struggled with some inferior opponents. Um, my numbers actually would agree with Kyle. I would I would take Kansas and I would take the under um, by a couple points for, for what it's posted right now. But um, I'm going to stay away simply because I think Jalen Daniels has a dual threat that against a uh, new install on defense with Duke and Elko, um, it, it might create some wrinkles they haven't anticipated or haven't fully addressed. And I think that Kansas has that explosive play uh, possibility. So I, I, I think that Duke's defense is going to show us who Kansas is, but there's so much uncertainty with um, Kansas against uh, a little bit more of a quality of 
opponent, not, you know, maybe, maybe somebody who's going to prepare for them a little bit more seriously than West Virginia or Houston uh, evidently did. One thing I will say about Kansas, you know, the, the progression for Kansas has been don't be a meme, right? And then losing to Kansas is not a joke. It's not something people tweet about. And, and that's become true. Um, you know, last season, Kansas had one of the highest rush rates over expected against. Teams were not game planning for Kansas. They were not respecting them at all. They were lining up and running their play this year. That rush rate over expected against is in the 70s. Um, teams are having to adjust their game plan. They're having to um, uh, really attack Kansas and specifically game plan for them. So that's a huge step for this program. Uh, and I love that I cast a, a small uh, Kansas over two and a half um, ticket there uh, as, as well. I, I So I'm slightly inclined to agree with, with Kyle, but as I've said, just some uncertainty on both sides. I'm going to stay away from it. I am not going to stay away from it. Uh, I like Duke in this spot. This feels like way too much Kansas hype. Situationally, this is ideal for Mike Elko and the Blue Devils. Uh, his defense is really going to be Leipold's first test as far as that offense is concerned. Uh, Duke number three PPA per rush defense. Uh, that's that's how you win these kind of ball games. Can Jalen Daniels win a game where he is forced to pass? That's what I want to see. Uh, it's still over seven here at seven and a half, so I'm going to take Duke plus the seven and a half. I will admit, I got this one when it was at nine, so I, I bet it almost immediately. I'm going to take Duke here to cover. There is a chance to me that they could actually win the ball game outright, uh, which would make sense because remember, Kansas was still really bad talent-wise last year. Yes, they have improved. Yes, things are looking great, but I wonder how much of that is how bad the defenses have been that they faced, et cetera, right? I, I'm just, it. this feels like too much hype too quickly on Kansas. I'm going to take Duke to cover the seven and a half official play on that one. Moving along, we move over to a very interesting matchup. This one is juicy with storylines. TCU, a one and a half point favorite, latest line at BetUS, headed to Gerald J. Ford Stadium in Dallas, Texas to take on SMU and it's a 12 p.m. Eastern time game. Of course, uh, early matchup here. I kind of wish this one was a little bit later in the day. But regardless, at TCU, a one-and-a-half point favorite. This opened a pick uh, and then, of course, went towards SMU and it's bounced back. I mean, it's just bouncing all over the place here. Uh, the the numbers here, SMU won this game last year 42-34, to and they put up some massive rushing numbers. At looking at the trends, SMU 6-2 and two against the spread against the Big 12 in their last eight. They're 9-3 and three against the spread in their last 12 at home. Uh, at TCU, 1-4 and four against the spread in their last five on the road. They're 1-5 against the number after a straight-up win. And they are 7-3 and three straight up uh, and 4-6 and six against the spread in their last 10 against SMU here. Uh, Kyle, let's start off with you. Uh, TCU started out the, the year with Chandler Morris at quarterback. Since they put Max Duggan in, this is just a completely different beast. He leads the FBS in QBR by 31 points. They've got seven rushers on the team that are averaging over five yards a carry. Now, don't get me wrong, the strength of schedule is weak. Uh, TCU, of course, is coming off of a bye week here. Sonny Dykes returning to SMU. Kyle, what, what do you see in this one? Yeah, I mean, first, a really good rivalry game for sure, and this one should be a, a lot of fun. SMU had every chance to cover last weekend and really had a bad fourth quarter. They were two for five on fourth down. Mordecai didn't look good in the fourth quarter in the hurry-up offense for sure. Um, you know, honestly, it's really hard for me to get 
a good read on TCU. So I'm looking forward to hear what Parker has to say here because, I mean, Colorado's an atrocious team. They're just as bad as – we're going to talk about them in a minute. But uh, Tarleton State, I mean, what do you take from that? SMU didn't do that bad of a job in pass defense against Maryland last week, to be honest. They did give up some explosive plays, but the run defense for SMU was shockingly bad, like really, really bad. Um, Talia got loose several times on scrambles. Duggan actually has the ability to scramble pretty well himself. Uh, I think this total is a little too high for me. I'm not excited to bet an under in a game like this, but it's pretty high. Um, The other thing about this one is I have no idea if this has any predictive value or not, so I'm going to kind of get Parker's opinion on this. But the road team 7-0 against the spread in the last seven games in this series. Now, obviously, they're not that far apart. Uh, I know this is not a great home field advantage, but Parker, do you think that means anything in a game like this, 7-0 and against the spread on the road? Well, I think it definitely means um, less than a lot of those SMU games at SMU were like on Friday night. And, you know, Friday night in September or late August is like always going to be some sort of crazy thunderstorm in Texas. And so there's a lot of those games where I remember like huge downpours, huge rain delays. And so I wonder if it's not just Texas weather makes it a closer game for for both teams. Um, Generally, having it in the morning on a Saturday might help that a little bit. Um, I'll I'll offer my standard disclaimer here. If you want to you want to hear me talk like a crazy conspiracy theory person about this game for an hour, Purple Theory podcast, I won't do that here. From a betting perspective, um, the, the couple of things that I'm looking at about the SMU-TCU matchup are are one. Last year, SMU had uh, four guys with at least 60 targets. This year, they only have two with 10. So um, you could say that they're spreading the ball around a little bit more. I think that means they're not finding their primary options as often, and they're having to go to Rashi Rice to bail them out. Now, Rashi Rice, super productive wide receiver. He's at 4.75 yards per uh, route run, which is just a measure of productivity. But TCU has some athletes in Trevis Hodge Tomlinson, Noah Noah Daniels, um, in, in the secondary to potentially nullify him. Uh, what is SMU going to be able to do when they can't get to Rice consistently? That's what I'm worried about. Last week, they had nine scoring opportunities. That's just um, infuriating as someone who who bet on them to cover. And they, they really, like Kyle said, Mordecai wasn't looking great. Um, the, the Last year as well, they needed 350 rushing yards to beat TCU. That was one of TCU's worst single game performances in, in, in recent history in terms of rushing. And that was still a one score game. Um, if you take away the, the very first play of the game last year, um, Danny Gray over the middle blown tackle and a 68 yard touchdown. Besides that, Tanner Mordecai had a very pedestrian day and it was the rushing offense that really carried SMU. If TCU has made some improvements on the rushing side of the defense, I think their offense is good enough to, to outpace SMU here. One thing that I, that I pointed out as well is that if you look at yards per route, for TCU, Jordan Hudson, who's a freshman four-star, very, very um, well-regarded, 5.60 yards per route run. Quentin Johnston is 1.42. So TCU has been moving the ball, but they have not been getting it downfield or often to Quentin Johnston. I'm wondering if TCU, given the quarterback injury to Morris, given the quality of competition, given that, shall we say, Sonny Dykes very much needs to win this game, if TCU has an offensive package for Quentin Johnston that they just completely avoided going to to reveal anything about it, that to me is is kind of the breaker there, is that there is this sleeping giant in Quentin Johnston that that SMU is going to have to account for, um, and TCU's defense should not allow 7.6 yards per rush to a guy with a neck roll again this year. So I'm going to take the frogs on the road to, to cover that point and a half. I bet it when it was a pick and uh, I'm still comfortable betting it with a point and a half here. Most certainly. I, I actually was able to get it at TCU plus one and a half at one point early Ooh. on Sunday evening. So I, 
I'm sitting pretty as it sits right up, now. You were up before me on Sunday morning if you got TCU <laughs> plus one of that. So well, here's the deal. It opened at a pick. It moved back towards SMU for a little bit, and then I was able to grab it. And by the time I even finished hitting the button, it uh, it was back to a pick. So it's you know, <laughs> it, it was very swift. Uh, when I look at this, Mordecai, it, these are the defenses that he has faced. Uh, North Texas, Lamar, and Maryland. And if you look, obviously opened up really well against North Texas. The last two weeks, though, only 55% completion against Lamar and Maryland, only 6.8 yards per attempt, and three picks. Uh, something is not clicking right now, and I don't know exactly what it is. You you talked, Parker, about, I guess, counting on Rasheed Rice to be able to bail them out. I don't know that they'll be able to do that. Along with that, the SMU defense here, number 72 in uh, pass defense as far as PPA per pass, um, that's that's not great. That's not great at all, especially when TCU is doing so well with Max Duggan and, and everything that they are doing with Sonny Dykes. Uh, I love TCU in this spot. Absolutely. Even minus the one and a half, I will still take it. Uh, I think that they win this game by a touchdown. So I, I really like TCU. The added week to let Sonny Dykes draw something up, I, I'm a fan of this. Two official plays here, Parker and myself, both riding with the Horned Frogs. Let's roll. Let's roll. All right, next one up, we're moving to the Pac-12, and I am excited about this. Oh, you guys know how excited I am about this. UCLA, a 21.5-point favorite latest line at BetUS, headed to Boulder, Colorado. Total of 57 on this one. It's 2 p.m. Eastern time. And Folsom Field, you know, we talked early in the season about uh, how really incredible their fan base was for showing out early against TCU, but... I don't know that it's going to be all that packed this go round. I will I will certainly say that. Kyle, we're going to start with you on this one. UCLA won this game 44 to 20 last season. I think Colorado was about 15% worse, maybe 20% worse than they were last year. Uh UCLA, I think it's probably about the same. Uh, UCLA 8-0 against the spread against losing teams. They're 6 and 1 against the spread on the road in their last 7. Colorado, however, against the Pac-12, 4 and 1 against the number in their last 5. Uh, but they are one and eight at home against the number against teams with a winning record. Colorado uh, is not looking good. Certainly, Kyle, do you do you have a lean on this one? I, you know my lean in this game, that's for sure. I'm going to start asking the Bet US crew to just record me saying this and say I feel like a broken record because. I'm never going to disagree with fate in Colorado. I mean, this is a really, really bad team. At some point, the odds makers will catch up, right? I mean, eventually they'll catch up. But I don't want to bet Colorado no matter what. I, I mean, you know, some Colorado versus Temple game or something like, like that would be the ultimate sicko special. Uh, I think this Colorado team is just in shambles. Uh, it's hard to keep uh, being highly motivated in the situation that they're in now. I, I think it'd be very difficult. As you mentioned, the fans can't be as excited to go. The players can't be too pumped up. Guys, Colorado has one play of 30 yards or more on offense so far this year. One play. I mean, Duke's not considered an offensive juggernaut. They have 11 plays of 30 yards or more. Just a terrible offense for Colorado. And if you think it can't get any worse, their defense is 131st and success rate allowed on defense. Uh, Colorado has zero strengths. I mean, I can't point to anything on their team that is any good. Um, they've played a brutal schedule. I'll say that it's early in the year, but you have to question their motivation after getting beat up by so many teams. Um, the knock on UCLA is their terrible strength of schedule. Um, I, I think UCLA though, coming off a near upset 
to South Alabama, who all three of us uh, like South Alabama. The Jaguars kind of our our team here for the smaller teams. But I think that keeps UCLA's focus in this game a little bit more, right? Because they almost lost last game. They can't really just go through the motions. Um, I wish the number hadn't gone up here because, you know, you went through the 21. Uh, but I definitely lean UCLA in this one. Yeah, it did open 20 and a half. It is up to 21 and a half. I would imagine that that continues to grow here. Uh, my line on this is 27. Uh, Parker, let's move over to you. I mean, UCLA has been really impressive on defense. Number four in available yards defense. Uh, they're only giving 17 and a half percent. I mean, it's just ridiculous. DTR has been awesome this year. 72% completion percentage, six touchdowns, one interception passing. And, and he's able to run the ball, 114 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, I look at this, I just see mismatches on both sides of the ball. Uh, Which way are you leaning, Parker? Uh, I'm absolutely going to fade Colorado. I think, um, uh, you know, it it can always get worse throughout the course of a season, and Colorado is just getting worse. Side note, who's scheduling for Colorado? Why are you doing this to yourself? Um, I guess getting shut out by or getting stomped by Minnesota is less embarrassing than losing to North Colorado, which I, I really think that Colorado would this year. So maybe there's a silver lining there. But yeah, this team is bad. And there was a little bit of a narrative that maybe JT Shrout could come in. And maybe there was actually, you know, that the, the Carl Durrell hadn't chosen the right quarterback. And, you know, he was four for 11 for 24 yards, 2.2 yards per attempt against Minnesota last week. Just th- th- there's no bomb that can side that can that can salvage this offense or heal this offense at all. It's um, it's really, really bad. I have them at, at 130th in EPA per play margin. UCLA, um, one thing that stuck out to me is. They're um, 47th in rushing success rate. They're 107th in EPA per rush because they have had some catastrophic plays in terms of negative plays, in terms of fumbles, in terms of turnovers. If they can just limit those against an off- or a defense that's not very um, habit-creating, uh, habit I really think UCLA should be able to score. I also think in terms of getting that cover of 21.5, yes, Chip Kelly is going to leave the starters in for four quarters. They're going to work on some stuff. They fumbled inside the goal line, had another short drive that they should have scored a touchdown on and didn't. Um, and so I think they'll practice a lot on that finishing drives. They're at 64th in points per quality possession, despite being eight in uh, quality possession rate. So I think uh, Colorado is the cure for the common offense, maybe a good opportunity to get a lot of high quality reps um, and, uh, and and iron out some kinks for UCLA. So I'm going to take the Bruins to cover on the road against um, an apocalyptically bad Colorado team. We might be looking at the worst power five team in, in history right here. I, I honestly, off the top of my head, I'm struggling to think of who's been worse. This is just a very bad team. Yes. Yes, it is. I'm right there with you. We're going to go ahead and make it official. Uh, Parker and I both going to ride with UCLA to cover 21 and a half here, but yes, uh, I like the apocalyptically bad. That is, <laughs> that is so good. Uh, it, it is. I mean, it's just everything that you could think of that has gone wrong. Uh, and the problem that they're running into at Colorado, of course, the buyout, we're not totally sure if it's $11 million or if it's 8.5 or whatever. But you also have to look at all these different things as to whether or not making a change would actually change anything at all with the program. So as long as these lines sit at you know 21.5 or 28 or whatever with certain teams, uh, yes, this is going to be a good fade for quite some time. Chip Kelly has shown over the years at UCLA, that he does not mind beating up on bad opposition, and he will continue to do so on Saturday, I would believe. So we're going to ride with that, Parker and I, together on this one. Reminder, go ahead and like the video for us. We got over the 100. You guys are fantastic. Thank you for doing so. 
Go ahead and make sure that you like the video, that you are subscribed to the channel, and that you hit that notification bell, because it's going to let you know when we go live. Of course, Tuesdays and Wednesdays right here, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Make sure that you are tuned in for that. Now, uh, as far as the chat goes, I see a lot of people in the chat. Bro Dibbles, Ryan, etc. Go ahead and jump into the chat. Jump in for the Q&A at the end of the show. We do have two more games that we are going to discuss. So let's go ahead and get to it. Uh, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Florida heads to Tennessee. And Tennessee, an 11-point favorite at home in Knoxville over the Florida Gators. Latest line at BetUS. Uh, the total sits at 62.5. Gentlemen. Uh, this is bananas. Parker, we're going to start with you on this. Florida won this game last year 38-14. to Josh Heupel has come out and said that that was a turning point in their season last year. Florida 0-8 against the spread in their last eight on the road. They are 0-5 against the spread against winning teams in their last five uh, attempts. Tennessee, uh, same as far as the trends go, 1-4 against the spread against the SEC, 3-8 against the spread against uh, uh, or after a straight-up win. Excuse me. Uh, when I look at this, you know, Florida is 9-1 and one straight up in their last 10 against Tennessee. That is bananas. The only loss was in 2016 in Knoxville. Uh, but the way that these two teams have played, I think the number's justified. How do you feel about this one? Well, I, I will say 11 points is a whole lot for a Billy Napier team and in a series that has been um, just absolutely one-sided for the last, you know, 17 years or whatever, where Tennessee has won just one game. Um, I like Tennessee's offense. I think that they are opportunistic. Um, they certainly are catering an offense well to a quarterback and acknowledging his limitations and asking him to do things well. Um, the big thing for me is is Florida and the negative plays. We've seen Anthony Richardson when he's in the zone. We've seen him when he is decidedly outside of the zone. Can Billy Napier coach up his quarterback um, in, a, in a really tough position, a really hostile environment? Um, I, I certainly don't want to bet on Florida to cover because we've seen what disaster looks like on that offense. And we've seen how bad that can be. That being said, Florida's defense has been pretty good against the pass um, relative to the rush. Tennessee is, is passing a whole lot. You know, we have a big split 31st in EPA for pass for Florida's defense, 107th in Florida uh, in rushing EPA for Florida's defense. So obviously, you know, teams are going to exploit the rush. I think that only helps Florida's chances to keep this close. If, if they take away the pass game and Tennessee feels like they don't have to really get explosive, that being comments you, you you would imagine that Tennessee is going to try and put as many points on the board as they possibly I don't want to bet Tennessee to cover because of the spot I don't want to bet Florida to cover because the Anthony Richardson time bomb I I just don't know what we're going to get out of him and what they'll be able to consistently do on offense so I don't have a lean here my numbers have Florida on the road to cover 11 is a lot of points a lot of points yes yes it is you brought up Anthony Richardson the ticking time bomb it feels like uh, he made comments this week about, you know, co comments that the coaches have told him about, you know, always looking over your shoulder and whatnot about you, you've got to throw more, you got to stay in the, well, all this different stuff where really he should just be focused on running, right? And I believe that the coaches were trying to tell him if you want to go in the NFL, you're going to have to pass more. But Billy Napier came out afterwards and said something. I mean, it just seems like there's all kind of problems that are going on with Florida after a really good week one win against Utah. I, I don't know why they have, it might've just been the loss to Kentucky, obviously, but uh, it just seems like issues here. Kyle, you know, Tennessee is rolling, but that offense was not exactly great against Pitt. 
there's ways that Florida could certainly stay in this game. Obviously, one would be Anthony Richardson taking over. Uh, but uh, how are you looking at this one? Well, I mean, you know, as you touched on about Anthony Richardson, I mean, remember the hype about him after just the one game and, you know, fair because he has a very high upside that that Heisman campaign certainly didn't last very long. A good first game and then two duds. Guys, Richardson has a 53.2 PFF grade so far this year. That's actually behind Braxton Burmeister and Andrew Peasley. I mean, you know, what went wrong? This is crazy. You would have never guessed that he would be that bad three games into the season and really uh, you know, has only really played one good defense, and that was the game that he had a good game. So uh, you could argue, as as uh, somebody in the chat said a minute ago, that Florida could be winless here. I mean, it would be pretty easy for them to be winless as they had those close wins. I think Florida, to me, uh, the issue with Richardson is there's just too many negative plays, uh, whether it be losses of yards or too many interceptions bad decision-making. Uh, turnovers have been an issue for him throughout his career, and, and I think they will continue to be until he proves us wrong. Florida's defense has disappointed me against the run. Uh, you know, 113th in rushing play success rate allowed so far this year, 106th in yards per in yards per carry allowed. They are giving up almost 49% on third-down conversion attempts. That has to regress toward the mean. I don't think they're going to stay at 50%. Uh, the passing defense has been pretty decent. Tennessee's defense has been helped by some ridiculous red zone success. This is something I was looking at last night. Uh, two touchdowns and 10 opponent trips into the red zone. So they can't keep up that. You know, this Tennessee defense isn't that good. Additionally, 23.9% on third down conversion attempts. So Tennessee has some clear regression signs on defense for me. Uh, that would make me a little concerned to lay a lot of points in a game like in a game like this. And in Hooker, you know, it would have sounded weird to say this a couple weeks ago, but Hooker is definitely the better of the two quarterbacks here, at least at this point. Um, he has his PFF numbers are almost exactly the same as C.J. Stroud at this point. Uh, he hasn't thrown an interception so far this year. On the surface, I want to bet Tennessee, but 11 is too many points, and they have regression signs here. I really have no lean on a side. If I had to bet the total, I think I'd bet the over. I think there's paths to success for both of the offenses in this one. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, if I had to lean on a side, I think I would probably lean Florida here. Uh, Florida's weakness on defense is the running game. I mean, they're number 110 PPA per rush defense. Uh, can Tennessee get enough push to have success throwing it against a number 32 PPA per pass defense? Like Florida has been successful as far as their secondary goes. They're back seven. I, Tennessee has not shown as of yet with Wright and Small at, at the running back position that they'll really be able to do a lot on the ground. And so that's that's the, I guess, quote-unquote mismatch that I'm looking for is how can Tennessee gain an advantage to where that passing game can really become efficient against Florida because I think that Florida's got the athletes to be able to hang. Uh, this one, so long as Anthony Richardson gets out of his head, and just plays the way that he did in week one, which is easier said than done, uh, then, yeah, I think Florida certainly got a chance to cover the 11 here um, because this is obvious, This is the biggest spread that I've seen uh, for Tennessee as a favorite against Florida in 20 years. I mean, it just uh, – it this does not happen for whatever reason. But Heupel has turned things around there. They got game day coming in. It's going to be a big, big day. Uh, but no official play on this one. It, it just a lot that's still up in the air. This one could get volatile. This one – extremely high variance. So we're staying away from this one. Moving along, we got one more game to cover. Don't forget, go on and get your questions in for the Q&A in the chat. And make sure to like the video. We hit over 150. Hey, you know what? Why not? Let's just shoot for 200. 
Why not? Let's go for it. While we're live, let's see if we can get to 200 likes, because we, we certainly have enough people watching that could go ahead and do that. All right, James Madison, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The Dukes head to App State. And, man, who has had a more memorable September than App State? Uh, currently, the Mountaineers, a seven-point favorite. At, that is the latest line at BetUS. The total sits at 58.5. That is up a point and a half from what it opened at, 57. It's at Kid Brewer Stadium in Boone, North Carolina again. James Madison is one that I am just, I, I am having all kinds of trouble figuring out this team. Uh, when I look at, at their stats here, their trends, 0-9 against the spread in their last nine against winning teams. Um, they are 1-5-1 and against the spread in their last seven on the road. Now, obviously, those were FCS numbers. So with them, you know, they're jumping over to FBS and I can't figure them out at all because they have been absolutely rolling with their new quarterback. Um, Todd Centillo, of course, the Colorado State transfer quarterback, 66% completion percentage, nine yards per attempt. He's got nine touchdowns and zero picks on the year. Now, granted, they have played Middle Tennessee and Norfolk State, so there's a difference there. Uh, the team is averaging 5.17 yards per rush. At like It could not have gone better to open up a season, especially your first in FBS. Uh, and then, of course, App State. I mean, my gosh, there has to be a, a downfall coming emotionally at some point. North Carolina, A&M, and then the Hail Mary to beat Troy last week with college game day in town and Luke Combs over there chugging beers on the game day set. I mean, it's it doesn't get much better in Boone, North Carolina. I will certainly tell you that. Parker, uh, looking at what Chase Bryce has done, I can't fully figure out App State either. I don't know what to make out of either one of these teams. Which direction would you go on this one? I am inclined to believe that App State's success says more about their opponents than it does about App State. This defense is legitimately bad. It's bad. Um, they're 109th in EPA per play. They're 91st in success rate, 106th in passing success rate, 118th in EPA per rush, despite being 62nd in rushing success rate. You can score points against this App State team with a competent offense. Um, yes, that is some Texas A&M shade for, for what <laughs> they should have been able like to do <laughs> against, against this very, very bad defense. Um, Todd Santillo, uh, shout out, third school, sixth year in college. Um, so Transfer Portal works for some guys. It looks like he's found a position. Um, he's been pretty accurate. Um, he has made no turnover-worthy plays in 55, uh, or excuse me, 50 attempts, and his average depth of target is, is 11.5, adjusted completion 80%. He's putting the ball where his guys can get it. That's helping them make plays. They're uh, 22nd in raw EPA per play. They're first in uh, defensive EPA per play. Obviously, quality of competition, that doesn't matter. The big deal here, I think, is is JMU's offense and Todd Santillo versus App State's defense um, is really going to put a lot of pressure on them. Um, I like, I, I I think I'm going to go with a little bit of pizza money on James Madison here. Again, that FC, I, I don't love the FCS to FBS adjustment and, 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 and kind of that relies too much on the numbers and not enough on int intuition for me to re feel really confident about it. But I think I'm comfortable enough with Todd Santillo and offense and App State's defense being bad. I'll throw some pizza money on, on James Madison to cover here. I, I tend to agree with you. I, I'm certainly going to go that direction because uh, number 128 strength of schedule, like they have blown through their opponents. Uh, they're coming off Which of a bye teams, week. Good is teams Madison. beat bad teams, right? Yes, I'm not going exactly. to penalize them for that, but exactly. I'm still a little nervous. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, but situationally, it is the perfect spot for James Madison. Kyle, uh, again, I look at this and I just, the numbers 
don't necessarily make sense to me uh, on exactly how good James Madison is because they they lost a bunch of transfers from a really good FB or FCS team, and they brought in some transfers that were uh, questionable. Now, obviously, Signetti, a fantastic coach, and the culture at James Madison is awesome, but the culture at App State's awesome too, and they've been doing this for a long time. This. It, but like I said, situationally perfect for James Madison. W- which way are you looking on this one, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, if you if you watched last week, I think you know what I'm going to take in this game. I'm taking James Madison in this game because, uh, you know, to be honest, I don't know that you could find a better situational spot to, to fade App State. You know, App State has had the three games, the UNC barn burner, the win at Texas A&M, and then the epic comeback over a Sunbelt rival. I have to be honest, I can't believe Troy lost that game that way. You know, I have Troy, uh, Gary and I both have them in the Sun Belt West, and then I have over for the win total. I mean, just a crushing loss for Troy. Uh, Taking a safety first made little sense to me, and then the Hail Mary pass. uh, How was nobody at the goal line to try to tackle him after that happened? That was a confusing play to me for sure. Can I I interrupt you for a minute? Let's The safety situation there. Why on earth would John Sumrall's offense, you're only up by four points. Like it's 28 to 24. There's 20 seconds left. You take the intentional safety. You're giving him a short field to be able to kick a field goal. Like Remember that rainy game in 2019 when Billy Napier took that safety because they had two pump blocks. I think that's in the, I think that's in the back of the head there. of just like, this has worked before. What are we going to do? Like, I think that is just filed away as like a coaching guru has done this. So this has to be a good idea. I, yeah, there, there's not a lot of support for, for that being a good idea, especially because you only ran what, like five seconds off the clock. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just crazy. All right, Kyle, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, that, that game that Napier did that was against App State, too, correct? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I guess he thought, well, it worked. And honestly, even in that one, he was really lucky it worked. So, I mean, that was a, it wasn't like it was the right call. Uh, there wasn't, uh, you know, there needed to be less time left if you're going to pull something like that, for sure. But, you know, in this one, App State, how can they get up for every single game? Do we think App State is so good that they can be up for every single game? The Gary, the trends on James Madison, I think, too, Perspective-wise, I mean that 0 and 9. I think it was 0 and 9 against the spread on the road or something like that. 0 and 9 I against imagine, winning teams. Yeah. Okay, against winning teams. I imagine they're laying a lot of points in those games against FCS teams, and here they're in a different role. They're plus seven against a App State team, and I, I don't think it's a bad team. I don't think we're saying they're a bad team, but their defense isn't very good. And do you trust Chase Bryce to always uh, run up a score on somebody? He's pretty inconsistent. I, I think it's also entirely possible that James Madison's actually pretty good. So that's a possibility. Uh, we don't know. Like Gary said, there's it, there's certainly a possibility that they get run off the field and I look like an idiot here. We know that. But, but the risk here uh, is just because their lack of playing somebody difficult. Um, I, I liked it better when I was seven and a half. I hate that somebody steamed this right before. And uh, so the hook is gone. But I'm going to take James Madison plus the points here. And I think sprinkling some on the money line makes sense in a game like this because there's enough variance. There's enough unknown. James Madison could win this game, and it wouldn't surprise me. I, I tend to agree with you. But let's let's go ahead and make it official. Kyle is going to take James Madison plus the seven. Uh, and Parker and I are going to ride along with that with a little bit of pizza money. Probably not a full unit on it, but yes, a little bit of pizza money on this one uh, because, again, situationally, Absolutely fantastic spot for the Dukes going into Boone. Uh, good gracious. I'm going to start out the Q&A by 
talking about all of the people that are bringing up Syracuse and Virginia. Uh, a lot of people talking about Syracuse getting lucky against Purdue last week. Guys, I, first off, I had Syracuse. So that was not luck. That was just Syracuse doing what they needed to do. Uh, but second, both of those teams deserve to lose that game. So, so it wasn't Syracuse getting lucky necessarily. Uh, it was Purdue on the other side, just giving them the ball game with all those late turn or late uh, 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 penalties. That's the word I'm looking for, et cetera. That was a disaster on Purdue's coaching staff at the end of the game. So they handed Syracuse an opportunity on a golden platter and Garrett Schrader with the absolute dime when he hadn't been able to do anything for the entire ball game. So I'm not saying that Syracuse got lucky. Syracuse did what they needed to do to win that ball game, and I will gladly take that win last week. Good gracious. Uh, <laughs> with that said, who on earth wants to talk about Virginia's offensive line? Uh, Kyle, let's let's roll with you. That'll be our first Q&A here because I'm not even going to say a name because there are a ton of them. How do you feel about Syracuse being favored by 10 over Virginia, Kyle? Well, um, we even discussed this a little bit uh, by text before. I was set to bet Syracuse in this game. I thought I was going to bet Syracuse and it was going to be one of my games. I figured it'd be like minus seven and I'm going to take Syracuse and I'll love that bet. Um, I didn't expect the line to be what it is now. Virginia's offensive line is just terrible. They are really, really bad. Brennan Armstrong's in a terrible spot. I mean, he you look at his grades on advanced metrics this year, and it's sad because we know Brennan Armstrong's better than this. He's in a really bad situation. Um, I, I don't trust Virginia to be able to stay close here, so my lean is definitely still towards Syracuse. But Syracuse has enough weaknesses as a team, and you know Gary knows Schrader can be so inconsistent that you, if you're hoping for him to be consistent through a game and win by two touchdowns, it could be disappointing. So that's why I'm not going to bet it as a as a play here. But that would be my lead. And that, that certainly make that uh, make that same assessment there, uh, Parker. You got a you got a thought on this one, or or do, should we just roll on? I'm just sad for Brennan Armstrong, man. <laughs> I just, he was so fun last year and it's a bad situation. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say. And that, that is one <laughs> thing that we could bring up, you know, the, the Robert and I situation here going up against Virginia. Um, but I don't know how bad it was for an at Virginia, right? Like, that, I don't think there was any hostility. mutual and on good terms. No, that was, yeah. yeah I don't think there's any kind of revenge game or storyline there. Um, there is, I mean, a, a huge disparity in quarterback play, but also like Syracuse's defensive line is low-key really good. Um, and they, I mean, they were able to, to mess with Aiden O'Connell, who's a very good quarterback last year, and even force him into one of the most boneheaded turnover plays I think he'll make in his entire career and and benefit from that. So if Syracuse can stay dis- disciplined and let other teams make mistakes, there's no reason they shouldn't be able to beat Virginia, who's going to make those mistakes. Uh, 10 points to the 2 to 10 points? I don't know, man. That's, that, that's what makes me nervous. I was hoping this was like 8.5. And then maybe I'd be on it, but 10 points is too much. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, before we roll into all of the questions, let me remind everybody, I will be back on Three Dog Thursday again uh, for the fourth consecutive week. I am 8-1 and one against the number on my picks over there, picking underdogs on the Three Dog Thursday show on BetUS TV. That is the main BetUS channel. Make sure that you go and subscribe over there and watch the show. It'll be out on Thursday morning. Of course, Three Dog Thursday, it's in the name. Uh, but yes, representing the college football nation here on the BetUS College Football Show, making sure that I'm getting in my college football picks over there. Hopefully, they continue on the same way that they've been doing thus far. So 8-1 and one so far through the first three weeks there. Uh, go ahead and like the video for us. So we're up to 193. Go ahead and get us up to 200 
and let's get this show rolling. Steve W., Kyle, I'm going to toss this one to you. Uh, how about Western Kentucky against FIU? Wanted to lay 28, but it's now up to 31. Uh, yikes. Uh, <laughs> how do you feel on this one, Kyle? I I wouldn't bet FIU. I mean, there's no way I could bet FIU. Uh, I think I probably should have taken Western Kentucky earlier. I believe it was like 27 at one point. You know, that was probably a good number to take on Western Kentucky. No way am I betting FIU. They got some serious problems. I mean, you could copy all what we said about Colorado, about FIU. What what kind of strength do they have? Um, you know, at this point, I have to lay off. That's a lot of points. But uh, if, if I were forced to bet it, I'd still bet Western Kentucky or maybe the over. I, my line on that is is Western Kentucky by 25.4. So a little lower, but I wonder, I may not have downgraded Florida International enough. Uh, regardless. Uh, <laughs> so that's from Steve W. on that. Uh, let's see, Cliff jumped in with Houston, Virginia. Yeah, no, we're, we're, we hit that one. Uh, Javon jumped in, uh, maybe covering these games tomorrow, but anything, oh yeah, USC and Oregon State, we will hit on that tomorrow. Uh, Washington, Stanford uh, might be a Q&A game tomorrow. Uh, Joe Blow, uh, Parker, all right, how about this? Uh, Notre Dame bounce back. Uh, should I lay the wood? We don't have that as one to discuss probably because of the variants and whatnot. But, uh, Parker, do you have a feel on North Carolina and Notre Dame? Yeah, let me pull that one up. The uh, The good news for Notre Dame is that they looked like they were clicking a little bit in the second half last week. And um, UNC has uh, got a bad defense. And so that, that might help. I, I would be a little bit inclined to bet against Notre Dame uh, as they are um, – as uh, keeping up in a boat race with North Carolina's offense, which I think is, is better. But um, I honestly, I don't know where my file just went. I'm not going to sit here and vamp for like five <laughs> minutes on that. Uh, I stayed away from it because it, there, there is this process of growth and development in college football. And it looks like Marcus Freeman's team does have another gear, but I don't know how well they can access it. And to, to bet on uh, Notre Dame to be able to keep up in that boat race. Um, I just don't think there's a lot of value in that, in that slate overall. Yeah. I'm looking at it. I've got North Carolina by five. Uh, but again, I'm with you, Parker, that it this Notre Dame team looks like they're getting better. So uh, so definitely staying away from that. Uh, let's see. We do have uh, – hey, all right, Kyle, I'm curious about this one. Minnesota-Michigan State uh, wants to know what we think about this one. Uh, obviously, Chris Altman-Bell being out for the year, that is uh, just awful. You, you hate to hear that. Um, but this, you know – Michigan State didn't look so good going to Seattle, but could they line up better against a Minnesota team that is, uh, you know, much more inclined to run the ball as opposed to throw it the way that Washington was? How do you feel about that? Yeah, my lean in that game is the under. I, I would think that the way that Minnesota plays kind of plays into the strength of Michigan State defense. On the other side, uh, Thorne has played pretty bad. You know, he has really not been very good. Uh, I, I don't think the Michigan State offense is really that explosive. So, uh, Minnesota's defense is good. They also play very slowly. I would I would lean to the under. I really don't have a lean on the side. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 with you. I'm with you on that. Like I just uh, playing the under because I I expect both of these defenses to be able to get stops. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of running clock. A lot of running clock. Timmy the Tulip. That's that's a name I like. USF versus Louisville. Um, okay. So Parker, let's toss this to you. USF. Showed up big against Florida last week. That line is sitting, uh, I believe, around 13, if I'm not mistaken. Um, a lot of people seem to love UCF, right? Or U, excuse me, USF, South Florida. A lot 
lot of people seem to love South Florida in this spot against Louisville. I'm wary because of that in-state aspect of what last week's game meant to all those kids that play in that state. I don't know that it means the same against Louisville this week. Uh, you gotta, you gotta read on this one. Dude, Louisville stinks. Um, <laughs> I don't want to bet on them at all. They are just, I just, man, I don't know. My numbers have Louisville. USF really good at rushing the ball. Um, really, really efficient in rushing. Louisville's defense 120th in EPA per rush. Can they get some consistency out of Bohannon and and potentially put up some points? Yes. 13 doesn't seem that much, though, when you have Malik Cunningham on the other side and you have the talent differential. So I don't think there's a smart bet on this play at all. I think um, USF, a little bit definitely of an emotional spot last week. And um, the, the difference is that Louisville can move the ball and, 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 and theoretically can punish USF. Um, but will, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to bet on them with any kind of consistency whatsoever. Yeah. And that line, by the way, has now jumped up to 14 over at bet us. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd stay away from it because I, you just don't know what Louisville team you're going to get at this point. Uh, I mean, we've got three weeks of data points and I still have no idea what this Louisville team is. They, they can be really bad, but my, they almost beat Florida state last week. Now, granted that was with the backup quarterback. Still found a way to lose the ball game, but regardless, they can they can move the ball. Uh, let's let's do this one, Kyle. Uh, Steven jumps in. He wants our opinions on Indiana at Cincinnati. Uh, Indiana probably a little lucky to win last week against Western Kentucky in overtime. Uh, I think their post game win expectancy was somewhere around like fifteen percent, something like that. Uh, this one tricky tricky spot for Indiana going to Cincy. How do you feel about it? Is, is the line still like 17 here, Cincinnati by 17 yeah, it, or so? Yeah, it had gone up. Uh, okay. I'm pulling it up as we speak. Yeah, I mean, Gary, I can't bet 17. Indiana. Okay, yeah, I can't bet Indiana. They're the most fraudulent 3-0 and team you could see. They're not a good team at all. Uh, Indiana's defense is still really bad. Indiana's first in tempo so far this year, so they're playing really quick. Maybe a Cincinnati team total over would probably be what I'd look for in a game like this because I think Cincy scores. Actually, Cincy has had scoring chances. Even against Arkansas, they had a lot of wide-open receivers. So I think Cincinnati's offense may be a bit better than we thought they would be. Indiana, just just not a good 3-0 and team at all. Yeah, the total is uh, 57 on that. So with 17, you're looking at probably 36 to 30, uh, 37 maybe team total somewhere around there for Cincy. Yeah, they, yeah. they might be able to put up that many. Um yeah, that's, that's a weird one. I, I'm curious because th- this game between Indiana and Cincy last year was pretty close. Now, granted, Indiana, different cast of characters, uh, but it was 38-24. to 24. Now, granted, that was at Indiana, so Cincy gets them at home. It, Cincy started off slow last week against Miami of Ohio. It, that's a weird spot. That's a weird spot. I'm, I'm definitely staying away from that one. Uh, Arbone jumps in. Oh, the Colorado team total under. I think I answered that one in the chat already. I, I would not touch the team total under. For Colorado, only because UCLA has shown a propensity. I hope I said that name or that word right. Uh, they they can turn the football over in really inopportune moments. So there are ways that Colorado could get points without having to do a whole lot. I just still believe that UCLA will win by more than twenty one and a half. So I would stay away from that team total for Colorado because this there's high variance when it comes to uh, UCLA's offense. Rafael jumps in with a question, Arizona and Cal. Uh, he likes Cal this week, or excuse me, Arizona this week. Uh, Parker, Arizona beat uh, North Dakota State. Did, by the way, did any of you guys stay up to watch that game, or was I the only one up? 
No, because I was watching. I was sweating SMU and whatever the other one I had picked that A uh, and M, and then I went to bed. So I didn't even see this last it, week. It was one forty-five Central Time when I got in the bed after watching. <laughs> I watched. I had Eastern Michigan and Arizona State on one TV, and then Arizona and uh, North Dakota State on the other one, and it was a disaster. But Arizona looks good. Uh, and Cal, you know, that's jumped from I believe Cal was favored by six. It's down to what oh, four? I think. Um, last I saw it this morning, I haven't checked it, uh, da, 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 and I will tell you, three three. Three. it's three, yeah. so it's dropped three points already. Eh, you know, Cal didn't look awful last week and that Arizona defense isn't exactly, you know, Notre Dame's defense. So I think Plummer could have some success here. Uh, this is a tricky spot. Uh, Parker, which way would you lean on that one? I'm still worried about why Arizona can't get cowing the ball downfield. Um, if you look at his depth, uh, I mean, he's got just uh, just seven targets, um, 20 yards downfield, and that's that's less than 25 percent, less than a fourth of his targets. Um, I really would like to see, you know, that that was really what I'm selling when I'm buying Arizona of them being able to, um, you know, have an explosive offense. So if I was going to bet on them, I'd want to see a little bit more uh, offense, uh, a little bit more specifically that offense of them being able to hit that downfield threat. Um, I think some pizza money is fine on Arizona, especially fading Cal after an emotional close win against the team that, or excuse me, emotional close loss last week against a team that um, probably is way better than them. It's just not, not been playing very well lately in Notre Dame. Um, but I, I, yeah, this one, I, again, I just don't trust enough of Arizona's proof of concept to have a really strong feeling here. And Cal is just under Justin Wilcox is kind of that like boring middle of the road team. So I, I, I don't have a strong lean here um, because of the spot. Let's move over to Kyle. I see a lot of people in the chat just all over Michigan and Maryland. Kyle, is do you happen to have a feel on this one? Like, obviously, we know that Maryland, fantastic wide receiver core, but that defense can be just egregiously bad in some situations. Uh, I would imagine that Michigan does what they need to do to get out. They have shown a willingness to beat up on bad teams, especially bad defenses. I don't think Maryland's going to have a lot of success against them. Uh, how do you feel on this one? Well, I mean, um, I'm not a big Michigan fan as a Buckeyes guy, certainly, but I think Michigan's probably going to win by quite a bit in this game. I would definitely bet Michigan if I were betting aside. Maryland's offense is their strength, clearly, but Michigan's secondary is pretty good. I don't think I trust Maryland to get the type of running success that they had last week against SMU either. And, and Michigan's offense is much better than it was a few years ago. And as Gary just said, Harbaugh is very happy to run up the score. Uh, I, I think this is one of those spots where Maryland has played a weak schedule so far this year. Certainly so is Michigan. So, yeah, Michigan has played a really weak schedule. But I think Michigan can make a statement in a game like this. Maryland, when they step up in competition, has really not been very good in the Big Ten. So, um, I think uh, Michigan or Michigan team total over would be the way I'd look at that. That's, I, the score that I've got, uh, and this is just my goofy little model, but I've got Michigan 48-17 to 17 in this game. So that's 31. Uh, but, I, again, got to toss in opponent adjustments, everything else. I, I don't know that they'll win by 31, but I don't think it would surprise me if they were to win this game by 31 points. I mean, Maryland, again – Talented wide receiver core, et cetera. Not a ton of a running game. Uh, and I don't think they're going to have a bunch of success against Michigan. So, uh, but staying away from that because I just, I don't necessarily trust that number yet. Uh, Parker, let's see. Iowa, Rutgers, 34 and a half for a total. 
Uh, under next question. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely under 34 and a half. Hey, Rutgers, by the way, both starting – or well, both starting quarterbacks. Their top two quarterbacks, it appears uh, possibly out for this game. Um, that could be very, very tricky uh, as to whether or not Sean Gleason is going to, uh, you know, let it rip with the third guy. So I'm I'm real curious about that one. Uh Kyle, can you talk cover against Arizona State? It's 15, I believe, last I saw. Uh, how do you feel about that one? I, I hate these games where the coach just got fired and then we have no idea how they're going to react. I mean, I, I would want to bet Utah, but, you know, I think there's too much variance in what could happen with Arizona State. How about Herm getting fired on the field? That was kind of crazy. Uh, you don't see that every day. I, to be honest, if I had to bet it, I'd probably bet Utah, but this would be ranking pretty high on my list of games that I don't want to bet. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. NC State versus Connecticut. Uh, NC State favored by 38 and a half. Uh, Parker, it, look, NC State looked pretty good against Texas uh, Tech last week, but uh, 38 and a half is a lot, even though UConn just appears to have gone back to to their old ways of getting absolutely thrashed. Uh, how you feeling on it? Yeah, well, I think they got a quarterback hurt, too, you know, to be fair to them. Not that oh, they yeah. deserve it. Um, but, uh, yeah, NC State did better against – I mean, that Texas Tech defensive line is one of the better units in the Big 12. I think they're they're vastly underrated, especially in that. So, NC State was able to pull away there. If you're going to bet NC State in this game, what you believe is that uh, Dave Doran is unhappy. Uh, Dave Doran and Tim Beck are unhappy with what their offense has done so far, and they're going to – they're just going to let it rip and go absolutely crazy. I, that doesn't really feel like what they've – done in the past so i, I th- that's more normative that's more off field i don't have a strong lean i i do have this technically covering but again 30 and a half is so many points here um if you know i i would hate to bet on something where devin leary falling down and fumbling the ball and uconn returning it ruins your bet like and that's that's the margins that you're working with here so with this big of a line i just don't see a lot of value you're betting uh not, not on numbers but on a lot of like off field kind of normative stuff there so no no play here 45 to seven loses you that bet. Like, yeah. and, and, and you've got yeah. Clemson coming next week. Like it's so, uh, no, <laughs> not, not messing with that one. Uh, let's see. Thoughts on coastal Carolina and Georgia state. Uh, Kyle, this one on Thursday night, a lot of people call Texas, excuse me, call coastal, uh, a paper tiger, all that. I don't think that Georgia state can take advantage of the weakness of coastal Carolina's defense the way that some of these other teams have been able to. Um, but at the same time, I don't know that Coastal can take advantage of Georgia State. I mean, that's a big reason why I'm staying away from this ballgame. Uh, the line's two and a half. You got a feel on, on the shots here. You know, um, last week's game with Coastal against Buffalo kind of stood out to me when I was looking through all the box scores because Buffalo had the lead a decent amount in that game. But uh, Coastal with nine and a half yards per play and Buffalo with 3.6 yards per play. Just a massive difference there. Uh, four fumbles. For Coastal, four turnovers for Georgia State. So just a, uh, or for uh, Buffalo, Georgia State, what a loss, right? How did they lose that game um, against Charlotte? Uh, I don't know if they were looking ahead or what, but uh, I think the only way I could bet this game would be the over, thinking that the two teams would have enough success. Georgia State plays really quickly, so they'll get a lot of snaps off. Coastal's defense is pretty weak. Uh, you know, McCall can probably do enough on the side. Gosh, I, I don't know what to do. I, I don't want to lay the points with Coastal, but I mean, I, I, I don't trust Georgia State either. And Georgia State beat them last year, right, when McCall was out. So, yeah. uh, interesting game for sure. I, I was going to let Parker jump in with that. that was, without Grayson McCall. Gr- <laughs> Sorry. Last week against Buffalo, 
Coastal's scoring drives were all short fields. Their offense did not yeah. have a good day, and they got, a, I think, punt, a punt block or an interception return, a weird touchdown, too. And so their point total is a little bit um, inflated. I wonder if there's not diminishing returns to the weirdness of Coastal's offense. That's not true. I don't wonder. There are. I wonder if it's finally catching up to them. You've got kind of two effects there of Grayson McCall being a, a really, really good college quarterback and maybe some diminishing returns of that offense. Uh, there, there are definitely going to be a lot more spots this year where I don't trust Coastal Carolina. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, it, it, I mean, they just lost a bunch of NFL talent at at a Sun Belt school that just started playing FBS not that long ago. So, yeah, just a, a strange, strange situation there. Uh, let's see, Husky 740, Oklahoma, uh, excuse me, Ohio State and Wisconsin. We're covering that tomorrow. Uh, Miami of Ohio and Northwestern. Thoughts based on how last week went for both teams. Miami of Ohio opened up well against Cincinnati last week. Uh, then, of course, Cincinnati. I guess woke up and ended up winning by three touchdowns. Northwestern loses to who was it? Was it Southern Illinois last week? I mean, they lost to somebody. Uh, just did not look good. They and this is a Pat Fitzgerald thing. He has done this just routinely, and he'll probably do the same thing against Miami of Ohio. Now I would imagine that the defense coordinator there, uh, and I forget his name, Jim, something. Uh, regardless, I, I'd imagine he's gone at the end of the year uh, because it just has not worked. Um, but, man, you know, I, I don't trust either one of these teams. Kyle, have you got any kind of a feel on Northwestern or, or Miami, uh, Miami of Ohio at this point? Like, I like Chuck Martin, but I Pat Fitzgerald in September in non-conference games, I just I don't like it. No, I mean, uh, I think I would like Miami better if Northwestern hadn't just lost last game, right? Because yeah. they, they should be up for this game. I mean, why why would they not be? Um, the line here is seven. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess if I were forced to bet, I'd take Miami just because I don't want to lay points with Northwestern against anybody. But Miami, even their success against Cincinnati at the beginning of the game was mainly Cincinnati's turnovers. So they really never moved the ball that well against Cincinnati. Uh, ugly game, you know, a lot of unknown. I would just take the points if I had to. And the total is at 50. I mean, maybe maybe just side with an under here. Maybe. <laughs> that, that, that might be the easy way to do it. Uh, Parker, Ole Miss, Tulsa. Oh, we're doing that tomorrow. Uh, Toledo, SDSU. How about that one? Uh, Toledo headed to San Diego State. Uh, San Diego State's backup quarterback. Looks like he might be leaving the team. At least there's the reports uh, coming out of San Diego about that. Uh, you got a you got a feel on Toledo on this one by chance? I think they opened um, up yeah. as a one point favorite. Yeah, I have this as like two and a half. I don't know that I would bet it at any rate. Um, the, I mean, Toledo at least has a little bit of an offense, and uh, San Diego State has nothing resembling anything like the concept of offense. So um, you'd have to think that um, they're going to score. The problem is with San Diego State, just defensive heavy and special teams heavy, they're going to rely on variance here. And Toledo, we know the last couple of years, has been absolutely absurd in terms of special teams and turnovers. So you're you're, you're betting on the variance there, and I, I don't love that. I, I would slightly lean towards Toledo. Um, but, uh, I mean, and the total even is 47. I don't know that I feel comfortable betting underneath that with with as well. So um, no strong play, maybe a lean towards Toledo, but not not strong. It, it got uh, it got bet down to 45, actually. <laughs> and, 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 and Toledo got, of course, uh, uh, steamed to three. So, yeah. Yeah, no. Stay away from this. No. <laughs> let's uh, let's do one more right quick because, obviously, the 69 mega crap has, has started. That's our cue to get out of here. Uh, but Michigan <laughs> – oh, no, Michigan-Maryland, we already did that. Gabe wants to know about Texas and Texas Tech. Uh, either one of you want to jump on this one? 
like I, I don't like the feel of this game on either side, so I'm certainly not touching it. But anybody got an idea? Parker, Kyle, either one. I I was hoping Parker had a feel for this one. To be honest, <laughs> I mean I I was kind of leaning toward the under if I had to bet something in that game, but that's scary uh, with those two teams. So uh, nothing strong there. Yeah, nothing nothing strong. It's uh, Texas favored by six and a half right now. Uh, total at sixty. Uh, it. The deal there is just that they, I mean, you, you have to believe that Steve Sarkeesian with more weeks of the backup quarterback can do more off. It can, can tailor his offense a little bit more. Um, but I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to bet on this game. No. High variance, high variance. Any of these games with Donovan Smith, it's just going to be absolute mayhem. Absolute mayhem. Uh, let's see, Ryan Davis, you guys going to talk about Baylor tomorrow. Uh, you know what? If we don't just toss it in the chat, toss it in the chat tomorrow, do that. Right now, though, we are going to jump into our picks recap for the day. Uh, so let's uh, let's take a look at what we have actually done thus far. While we're while we're pulling that graphic up, go ahead and like the video for us. We've got two more till we get to 250. So go ahead and hit that for us, and, and certainly make sure you are subscribed to the channel. Uh, Parker, let's start with you. You and I both have quite a few, and and we agree on a couple. But I'll let you go on with yours first. Yeah, I like West Virginia minus two and a half on the road. I like Boise State minus 15 and a half. TCU minus one and a half. UCLA minus 21 and a half. We're going favorites this week, uh, but uh, but I feel good about all four of these. Now, I'm rolling with three favorites this week, but I do have one doggy. Uh, I like Clemson to cover the seven at Wake Forest. I like Duke on the road in Lawrence against Kansas plus seven and a half. And just like Parker, going to ride TCU to cover one and a half and UCLA to cover 21 and a half. Um, yeah, that, that certainly makes sense. Kyle, what you looking at? I'm going to take Boise State and UTEP under 45 and a half and James Madison plus seven here. I like it. I like it. All right, gentlemen, that is going to close things out for today. A reminder to everybody, we will be back again on Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Make sure that you are subscribed and that you hit that notification bell just in case you forget it's going to notify you and let you know exactly when we go live. So make sure that you jump back in. we got a lot that we're going to discuss tomorrow. But that said, uh, I've already told you, like the video. Let's get to 250 before this thing ends. And uh, <laughs> go over my notes. Oh, Three Dog Thursday, of course, on Thursday. I'll remind you all of that tomorrow. With that said, for BetUS, where the game begins, God bless college football, and we'll see you all again tomorrow.